Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sci-Fi Unchained. Thank you all for joining in on the fun and speculation. And if you like the show, please join our social media and support us on Patreon at Sci-Fi Unchained Stories to help the channel grow. And thank you all for your avid listenership. All right, let's get into it. So I wanted to talk about uh, the wise old master trope and whether it was absolutely foundationally necessary to really good epic storytelling or if it was some strange form of hero worship. Now, the wise old man has been a staple of almost every major story, period. Science fiction nonwithstanding. And they're often some of the characters we remember the most. Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda, Uncle Iroh, Gandalf, Dumbledore, Master Splinter. The list is enormous. The character is more often than not both a main character and a plot device used to help catapult the other main characters forward through the story. Uh, They also provide a Uh, a base where the author can build a backstory for the mythos and history of the overall uh, narrative and to provide a, uh, a moment of truth, a defining moment for the other main characters to develop into their own next phase of character growth and inner plot progression. Think of when Luke sees Darth Vader kill Obi-Wan Kenobi. To him, that, like, Vader just took away his wise old master, right? His his friend that he's had on Tatooine since he was a kid. Um, And really, if if you look at Obi-Wan Kenobi's uh, purpose on Tatooine, it's to be uh, this guardian for Luke. Like, that's the rest of his life. His life is now dedicated to protecting his best friend's kid. uh, His best friend that he failed. So he does this out of this sense of obligation and duty. Right? Luke sees his cyborg daddy kill that. Um, And then look at what happens afterwards. Right? Luke steals himself to fight the Empire and blow up their planet-destroying moon. Um, Look at what happens to Luke after Yoda dies and becomes one with the Force. Uh, He realizes he is the last Jedi in the galaxy, and uh, his sister Leia has Force potential, but she's not a Jedi. He is the, the last Jedi, right? So he has this enormous burden, this this mantle to take, uh, and that helps him in the final fight versus Darth Vader and Palpatine, where he doesn't strike down his father. He doesn't kill Darth Vader. He he completes the hero's journey. He uh, becomes the hero, right? There's other heroes all throughout the story of Star Wars, but... In this moment, he becomes the hero because he does not let evil win. And mind you, uh, the evil wants him to kill his dad. (laughs) Um, 
and and not just that, but supplant him. So, yeah, uh, getting off topic here, but I, I I can't help myself when it comes to good storytelling. Now I've talked about the wise old master trope before, but what I'm wondering now is is the stereotype an outdated, done-to-death character device, or is it an essential aspect of not just every great epic story ever told and will continue to be throughout all of literature? I mean, what would Star Wars have been without, you know, those two old guys, right? What is Lord of the Rings without Gandalf? What is Battlestar Galactica without good old Admiral Adama. Now, I believe the argument can be made around these characters um, by having their importance divided up into several other characters that could progress the plot with their respective stories going forward through the same actions, right? But, so... Instead of Gandalf, maybe his importance and influence on the story of the Lord of the Rings is divided up, and we see Elrond take more of a uh, an active role. We see uh, Galadriel, um, and what was uh, what was Legolas's dad's name? Thranduil. Uh, we, we see all of these other older characters take a much more active and guiding role for our characters. Uh, maybe Aragorn, who is actually pretty stinking old. I think he's 90 years old in, in, the, uh, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, we, we see him take up that sort of fatherly mentor figure role uh, to the hobbits and uh, and he now acts as their guide and, and rallying beacon for the forces of Middle-earth to fight against Sauron. But if this happens, what would we lose? Maybe the most important aspect of the character, like most, is the relatability. Not to the old wise masters themselves, but who they are meant to represent in our actual lives. It Maybe instead of them, you come to view your grandfather, your dad, your boss, maybe a martial arts instructor or an army drill sergeant in the same revered way that the old masters are in their respective tales. And of course, that connection is really important for us because it helps us get invested in what happens in the story. Never mind just being either emotionally or psychologically, but these things can also move us to to things like physical tears or, or tensions of anger. I, I cannot think of a major science fiction property without at least one or two mentor or wise old master style characters. Uh, it, even the MCU understands this necessity. Uh, look at the difference between how Doctor Strange sets up and how the other big name characters like uh, Captain America and Iron Man set up. 
Doctor Strange's story can certainly fall into the fantasy category since it mostly revolves around magic, especially if you deep dive into the comics. If we took just the stories of Doctor Strange, it would be the college version of Harry Potter. But instead of fighting a bald guy who's obsessed with taking over the high school he graduated from, good old HP and the gang fight interdimensional threats, cosmic entities, space dragons, you know, all the cool stuff you would expect, right? But that difference between those three big names uh, are Cap and Iron Man don't have mentor figures setting them up and training them to either take their place or avenge them. And yes, I see the irony in in that. Um, but Doctor Strange totally does with the Sorcerer Supreme who trains him, who in the comics is a wise old Tibetan monk. Um, but coincidentally, it was changed to Tilda Swinton in the movies because the Chinese government made the MCU do that pretty much through its business leanings because China doesn't want any Tibetan identity representation at all, which is a crazy thing to even consider. But if you look on YouTube for the Iron Man 3 uh, Chinese version ending, you'll see a scene that was shot only for the Chinese release of the movie where they're doing surgery on Tony Stark. It's super weird that that they're changing Marvel movies like this. It, it's really, really strange. But that mentorship with old Doc Strange is very important because who is he before the movie really takes off? He is a master in his medical field. He's rich and influential. He jams out to musical trivia games while performing surgery. Strange is a badass in his field every way you look at it. And that's why his fall from grace leading him to his new master is so necessary because he was content with his life. He was sedentary and unmoved. Then a thing happens, as it does to all our heroes' journey heroes, that incites his path to a new height. And that path always involves a wizened, wispy-haired warlock your Obi-Wans, your Gandalfs, Dumbledores, Morpheus. Okay, well, maybe not the wispy-haired bit holds up there, but, but the general character is still the same. But does this story device of the old master make our stories tired and predictable? There are other modes of storytelling that are just as successful without it. Though, I would stick my neck out and say they're probably not more successful than those that use the old master trope because those are usually uh, utilizing character devices like the hero's journey or the, the roguish outlaw who's really a good guy. But the wise old man is actually a tried and true character that's been explored thoroughly. Um, by the likes of uh, philosopher Carl Jung, who looked at the character as a literary stock character necessary for not just the development of 
the heroes, but for the completion of the story in general because of their own will or or spirit that's that's left over um, you know throughout the remainder of the tale after they've been killed because they always end up being killed according to Jung and he was looking at ancient stories the the likes of those of uh, Merlin and King Arthur or the, the biblical stories of Christianity and Judaism and those are stories that are still told, still told uh, both by themselves and as adaptations today. So this is a uniquely time-tested character type. A nice way of saying it's really, really old. Uh, so in this newer age of crafting tales, with decades of greater and greater imagination inspiring stories and people, has it run its course in terms of necessity or have we just got too many new things to explore now I think it's still very necessary as a foundation of any story if you're looking to write a great epic though the danger of being repetitive or derivative is very real and you have to be extra cautious as to not have your wise old man just be another Uncle Iroh from Avatar, or Abraham Whistler from Blade. And his name is so on the nose, too, being named after a biblical father figure who completed his hero's journey and became a wise old man that helped spawn three religions. I, I think writers should be focusing on writing the next best thing, the, the new, the strange ideas, especially where sci-fi is concerned. Though I think that there is plenty of room for that stock character to play an essential role in all those new and imaginative ideas. Maybe changes will be made to it, it enough alterations that would help birth a new version of it entirely. Maybe so much so that it becomes a wholly new kind of stock character. I mean, there there is an idea that I have that uh, I call the Canterbury Principle, stating that any idea, story, or character that can be made has already been made. I mean, how many times have you seen a groundbreaking new movie that completely is unique to you, and you tell someone about it, and you're going off about it, and the, the, the one character you really like, and your friend says, oh yeah, that, that sounds a lot like and the uniqueness is shattered by a simple compare and contrast. Though I do think that principle is being contested and, and broken a bit with things like Black Mirror or Rick and Morty with their really strange and fascinating craziness that I thoroughly enjoy. So... To conclude, I think the wise old mentor stock character is probably one of my favorites to have in a story, and I'd rather have it in my big epics than not, because you know, when there's a big epic and no wise old mentor, the story seems to lag or lack in substance somewhere. Case in point, The Wheel of Time. It sucks. <laughs> like it, 
even the even the like literary portion of it that the, the the book it's like it's it's derivative of J.R.R. Tolkien's philosophy of time and and the progression of ages uh, and and the the evil of encroaching technological uh, advancement. Um, now the wheel of time is is set up itself to be like Lord of the Rings so dang much, but there's no wise mentor, not really. In the character that is supposed to be filling that role, I think her name is uh, Moraine Damadred. Um, she she needs a mentor herself, and and she really sucks at her job in general. <laughs> so it's pretty safe to say that when really big stories don't have an old mentor type, it very much suffers. And who wants to watch something that sucks over and over? I mean, really, the the even the bad ones or the lesser cool stories, they understand this also. Um, the one that pops into my head the most... Well, okay, I have two. One for the fantasy uh, genre would be Aragon. It's a story about a boy that finds a dragon egg, imprints on it. He's now the dragon rider for that dragon once it hatches. Uh, he has this old wise mentor named uh, Bronn, and Brom dies. Um, Rumpelstiltskin from uh, from Stinkin' Once Upon a Time has him killed. <laughs> um, and it, the, the book is good. The movie was god awful. The the book, uh, reading the book as a as a teenager was a lot of fun. It was really fun. Um, and then the second book, it was also good. The third book was kind of garbage because they come they they fixed war with the Olympics. <laughs> they pretty much make the Olympics. Uh, and that's how the war, the like world war that everybody gets pulled into is stopped. It's it's kind of garbage, but even a garbage story like that understands the necessity for that old wise mentor that dies, that sets the hero upon their journey, and that is a uh, inspiration for that hero throughout uh, the the rest of their their journey, the, the rest of their story. Um, I mean, Karate Kid did it I, with with uh, Cobra Kai. Daniel LaRusso can't shut the hell up about Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a bit too much there, but if you look at the, the timeline for uh, Karate Kid all the way up through Cobra Kai, and, and you make it one linear progression of, of events, I, I mean, it stands up. Because Mr. Miyake not only sets Daniel LaRusso on his path to be a, a good martial artist and a good teacher, but also a pretty successful person. Like, he's a successful businessman. He's a, he's a really good father to his kids. 
Um, and when he's not, he recognizes that he's not and that he's failed. Um, and and he uh, he looks to his old wise master that's long since dead because of course he is because he has to be for inspiration and guidance and I, I don't know I, I think there might be that's why I asked the question is it foundational or is it hero worship is it the, the hero worship part. Are we trying to replace, you know, some some high authority with someone tangible, someone we can talk to, someone who is the wise old king that can give us direct guidance? Maybe. It's a it's a good question for for another day. But for now, live long and prosper, my friends, and may the Force be with us all.